in. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, so for those of you in person, online, we're so glad you decided to join us. If you're gonna join us later in week online, we're also glad you're here. Um, so we're in our, our series, Gospel Fluency, and in this series, we've been talking about the need to just be fluent in the gospel. And the question started by one of my uh, dearest friends, disciples, Amanda Price. She moved here from Kansas City a couple months ago, and she started going around and asking my staff behind my back, like, tell me the gospel. What is the gospel? Like, because, you know, she's a theology student, loves the Lord, kind of a missional ninja, disciple maker. And I think she saw that there's a lot of stuff that we know a lot of things about Jesus, but do we really know the basics? Because it's really easy if you don't understand the basics to have it, to get it all wrong. Like uh, yesterday, I want to give a shout out to a lot of dudes in here that helped me frame my basement. And as we were wrapping up towards the end of the day, Chris Cousin noted that there was one wall in particular. So we got to do this one over because it just got off by an eighth and just over about 14 feet, the whole thing was way off. And it set other rooms off wrong. And so I think sometimes if we just are off a degree or two in what we understand about the basics of Jesus, it's very easy for the rest of it to be off base. So that very baseline question of what is the gospel? Do we understand the gospel? Because it's very hard to give what we don't have, isn't it? And if we don't understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is beyond just making us better people or some good information or kind of self-help or it's Oprah-esque, like I'll buy the book and I'll keep it on the shelf, but it won't change my life that much. If that's what our gospel is, then it might make sense that when we look around us that a lot of the world as they understand Jesus and the church seems maybe a little off because that's just eighth of an inch. You take that out several feet, well, you just every 16 inches, there you go. So what we wanna talk about in gospel fluency is just like the basics of understanding a language. Like there's some amazing software out there, Rosetta Stone. Has anyone ever used or heard of Rosetta Stone? It's basically what the Swedish people and like the Finnish people, they have an amazing way of teaching children. Very interesting that, um, They've found educational uh, people, academicians will know this, that boys' brains don't develop at the same rate as girls. We're actually dumber, we're less capable, and we just like to break things and fight, right? Is that a surprise to anyone? Um, um, girls, like, amen, we gotta get a witness. Ladies, stand up clapping, but um, no, but like, boys' brains don't decide, and so like, our country, which we're the wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history, but yet our schools are tragically awful compared to so much of the world. And like the Norwegian schools, like the Finnish, the Finland, Norway, Sweden, Estonia, Latvia, like their schools are so far superior to ours. And one of the things that they've realized, and like Rosetta Stone has capitalized on this, is boys do not learn language at the same way girls. So they don't even teach the reading and writing of grammar in their schools till eighth grade. They just focus on kids learning their language, learning English in another language. So by the time kids get to eighth grade, they're actually fluent in three languages. And then they can start taking apart the ones they're really gonna use and they show them how to write it. But we do this really ridiculous thing of like when kids are still like, you know, saying things out of context is like we're teaching them at the same way to write, which is a completely different part of the brain, and to speak. And so, they are, they've shifted the way, because 
if you put a, like a kid in a culture, they just learn a language. They don't know how to, like we were just in Latvia and one of our friends, like their kid spoke, he's six and speaks four languages. He can't read or write any of them, but he can speak them. And I think sometimes we can put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable and we can miss out on the, the, the basics of something because we overcomplicate it and try to teach things too quickly. So in gospel fluency, what are the basics of the gospel? Where do we need to learn to walk before we learn how to run? And one of my, uh, one of my friends and brothers uh, says, he's a pastor in Louisville, Robert Pittman, amazing guy. Um, he said this great quote, I was listening to him speak the other day, and he says, shift happens. Can everyone say with me, shift happens? Shift. It's like someone's like said the wrong thing if they did. Uh, like, forgive me, Lord, I made them cuss accidentally. But no, he's talking about shift happens. And when we're talking about this is I think we want to shift our paradigm a little bit. And I think one of the things about Jesus that's so impressive and wonderful <clears throat> is Jesus always wants to meet us to shift our lives into the cause, the purpose, and the way of his kingdom. So today we want to talk about just micro shifts that can lead to macro change in our understanding of the gospel. So Lord, we just ask you to come today. We invite you to come and help us shift. Give us kairos, give us aha moments today, Lord, where we're hearing your voice, where we can hear you, where we can obey, and we can share your gospel fluently with a world in need in Jesus' name. So today we're gonna be in Luke chapter five, verses one through 11. If you got a phone or you got a Bible, uh, the old paper thing. You know, I really recommend this paper thing. Amen. When you read in the morning, there's something about it that um, I've found my phone can be a great tool, like the U version and this and that can be great, but it can also be a distraction that like in the middle, like, like your, your push feeds or a text or an email, just, I don't know, just something about this that you can just focus in on it. Um, and so this is a story where Jesus is kind of has engaging some of his disciples pretty early on in his public ministry. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Gennesaret or Galilee, um, uh, it says that the crowd was pressing around him. He saw boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he was going into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Simon's is Peter. He gave Peter the name um, Peter later on. Simon's his real name. Simon Bar-Jonah. That means Simon, son of Jonah. And asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from, uh, from the boat. So back then, they didn't have these things, microphones. And so actually, you can push a boat out on the water if you have a crowd, and if you get a certain distance out, the water acts as like a refractory. So it, like, you can kind of speak, and the water pushes the sound. Like if you skip a, water, like a, a rock on the water, how if you hit it at a certain angle, that thing will go. So if you speak out into the water, and you have water in front of you, it's actually a natural amplification system. So Jesus, the crowds were around him. They probably couldn't hear him. There's probably people like, yo, Jesus. Like, you know, yo, Adrian, I can't hear you. So Jesus like, yeah, I mean, you know, Apollo, we're gonna push the boat out. So he got the boats. It says there was a couple there and he asked Simon Peter for his boat and he got out for the natural mi uh, microphone system. And when he got in one of the, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now interesting that he's on Simon's boat and here's what he said, Simon, Put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
We worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you said and let down the nets. What I wanna ask today to start off is I think one of the most important things of the gospel is what's our motivation for it? Because I think a lot of times people imagine sharing their faith as a have to. Like something I have to do. Or something the preacher has to do. Is your faith, is it an obligation to you? And Peter says, because you said it, I'll do it. Sometimes I think in our hearts and our lives, there can be, fine, preacher, I'll read my Bible. Or fine, I'll come on to Zoom prayer. Fine, I'll help you in the kids' ministry, Steve. Fine. What's your motivation for the gospel? Is it a have to or is it a get to? Because in my experience, a lover will always outwork a worker. When you love someone, you'll just do it. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, honey, fine. I did that all day, but I'll do that for you. And sometimes there's that response that we have, but watch what Jesus does right here. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I'll do as you say. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. They signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come help them. And they came and filled both their boats so much so that they began to sink. And, but when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish they had just taken in. And also with him were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't fear. Don't fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. When we're talking about shift happens, I love Peter goes from fine, because you said so, I'll do it, to, um, oh Lord, I am jacked up. I've been seeing all this the wrong way. See, Jesus at first asked him for his boat, but then Peter's like, fine, if you say so, I'll do it. Jesus gave him so much fish that I think that Peter didn't need to work anymore and said, come follow me. And I'm not saying every time we obey Jesus, it's just gonna be like a lottery ticket. It's gonna drop like, oh Lord, wouldn't it be nice? Like Jesus, we love you so much. Bam, like, oh, but it doesn't always work like that. But there's times when Jesus says, maybe the way you've been doing this is all wrong. Like Peter was a master fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter or a stonemason, depending on how you wanna translate the word. But Jesus said, can you imagine just like, oh yeah, the other side of the boat's gonna make an enormous difference. Because the nets were on the one side and like, you know, it just didn't matter. Can you imagine being that guy, that expert? Maybe you and your life have been an expert at knowing Jesus, at sharing the gospel, about understanding your faith. But maybe Jesus wants to offer you something to shift your perspective today to be more effective in catching people and bringing people to him. And I think sometimes we get so stuck and maybe so um, just desensitized to it. Like Peter literally fished every day 
of his life, and now I've fished all night, and Jesus says, can you throw, and he's like, fine, master, because you say so, I'll do it. What if our perspective went from, I'll do it, God, I'll go to church if I feel like it, or I'll be part of a house group, or what if it's like, Lord, I'm, I'm a broken person. I see you. Like Peter at that moment saw Jesus in a way that was so powerful, just dropped him to his knees. Where do you need a shift in your perspective today, in your understanding of, in your capacity and ability to share the good news with others? I had this thing years ago. I, I, was, I, I had a hunger to make disciples. We were making disciples. We were adding people. But I... I what, like I realized I had this, like in 2009, I had this just, you know, Charlie Brown, like that's it moment, you know, and kind of like where I realized that um, how I'd been going about it probably was not the best way to make disciples. And so it was just kind of this from Jesus as part of my life to Jesus to my life. And we did a series last summer on Jesus everything. And Jesus invites us to a Jesus everything life. And I think a lot of us don't have the traction we'd want in our lives because it's still Jesus and something else. And so Jesus said to these guys, like, hey, I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna show you that not only am I like the Lord of the realm, but I'm gonna teach you how to fish differently. I mean, Jesus is amazing. Like every time he steps in, Jesus is a better fisherman than the fishermen. Jesus is a better doctor than the doctors. Jesus is a better businessman than the businessman. Because remember with the taxes? He's like, hey, Peter, go pay our taxes. And the next fish you catch, um, open up its mouth, and inside there will be a coin to pay our taxes. I mean, go figure that. Jesus was a better magic man than Chris Angel. Jesus was a better, was a better friend. He was a better leader. He was a better bartender than the people at Cana, right? Jesus was like the best bartender. It's like Jesus is the best at everything. It's like Nacho Libre, he's the best. Like Jesus, he's the best. He was. And do you know Jesus is better at leading and living your life than you are? That might sound really weird. Jesus will do a better job leading and living your life than you can, than I can. Do we trust Jesus? Do we think that he could tend our bar better than we could? Do we think he could catch fish? Do we think he could teach school? Do we think he could plumb pipes? Do we think he could fix our life? Do we think that Jesus could help us as we work at the daycare? Whatever it is, we do graphic design. Do we think Jesus can do that better than we do? Once we get that, that changes everything. That shift happens when we will let him do that in our lives. And I had this thing where I'd, I, I, I was awakened to this in 2009. And then in 2010, 2010, I met someone who'd become a lifelong friend and mentor, Mike Breen. Mike Breen's been here before, and he's really helped us with disciple making. And, and I started seeing the way that Mike was doing discipleship was going from addition to multiplication. And that's what I wanted in my life. So I had this massive shift in the way I saw the gospel and talked about the gospel of the kingdom to other people. And one of the paradigm shifts was that Jesus, I, he said, well, someone on his team said, Jesus, Jesus prefers goodness to rightness. And that changed so much for me because I was always such like an apologetic 
not like, oh, it's like, I'm sorry about the gospel, but like apologist is like, like apologia is like the defense of the faith. And I was always such a, I could talk about it. I could convince people. I could argue on any level, mathematically, scientifically. I'm just kind of a nerd. And so I could talk people into it or talk them through it or win the argument. But when he said Jesus prefers goodness to rightness, that changed everything for me. Because if he's a reaping and sowing God, like a lot of times we can go about our right thing in a wrong way and we just get a wrong, a wrong result. And I started seeing the goodness of Jesus, the love of Jesus in a different way. And it was a love response. It wasn't a have to, but it was a get to. I wasn't working to get to heaven any longer. I was working because heaven was getting to me. And so that spiritual, that heavenly motivation, that inside out thing, as I was being changed, I was able to be an agent of change. And as we're shifting our perspective in the gospel, are we willing to perhaps throw our nets down on their side of the boats? Because I think a lot of you aren't, if we're honest. I know there's people who have been very resistant, like, oh, I'm not gonna do this house group thing, or I don't wanna do anything besides church, or I don't wanna, you know, I, don't, I like the way things were, or I don't wanna do this stuff. Are we willing to learn and try a new thing to maybe get better results? Are, are we open to things changing? Are we open to something new? Because if you're not seeing exponential, if you're not if you're not writing the books or being written about in the books, maybe there's something God could add to your life by maybe, hey, would you think about this approach? Or I don't wanna get up and pray, that's not me, that's you. Are you willing to try something new to get a new result? Are we willing to let shift happen? And I think if I want things to change, then maybe, some things have to change. And the gospel is all about the potential to change. Like Jesus can change everything. And you might be like, I like my life. I like it the way it is. What does Jesus say about your life? And I'm not saying you're living a bad life. I'm not saying you're a loser. I know a lot of people in here love Jesus and you guys wanna live on mission. You want Jesus everything. You want the kingdom to come. But are we willing to let him do new things? Are we willing to take new approaches? And I love what Peter said when he engaged Jesus. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, God, I am a sinful person. When I heard that little thing, Jesus prefers goodness to rightness, I'm like, I am a sinful person. I've been looking at this all wrong. What if I just started living the goodness of God and let that be the compelling evidence to people? What if I started walking in the power of the Spirit more and letting the Spirit have his way in me instead of having all my canned approaches? What if I let his life work through me? How would that impact people? And it was amazing. And I, and I think that it's, I want you to understand like God is a God of purpose, not a God of polish. Jesus doesn't need you and me to get it right all the time. He doesn't need us to every person we had talked to about the kingdom, close the deal right there, lead them through the sinner's prayer, whatever that is, and then like sign them up for baptism. He doesn't need that. He doesn't, that's not what he's looking for. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but the harvest is God's. 
a lot of times I think we can feel this pressure of sharing the good news because we think the harvest has to be ours. Like, oh, well, if they didn't get converted in my living room, then I didn't do a good job. It's like, what if people just saw the goodness of God through you in a new and fresh way and that was compelling to them? Maybe the good news that they need today, maybe the gospel that they need today is God doesn't hate you or God's not your Catholic school teacher or God's not your abusive parent or God's not that church that forced you to do things you weren't ready to or God's, you know, what if, what if just like God is love? The baseline of the gospel is God is love and he knew we couldn't do it ourselves so he stepped out of heaven and into our lives to show us the love of the Father through Jesus Christ so we could be in relationship with him. Jesus did not come saying my father is right. He came saying my father is good. Where is Jesus calling you to fish differently? And so I want to share with you today a little bit about, um, I, I think, maybe a way that a subtle shift could really help maybe your gospel approach. It's helped mine a lot. Like maybe just throwing the net down the other side of the boat. It's that easy. And I think that the thing that I've learned is, first of all, God wants me to move from a place of have to to get to. Like, there is not some scorecard in the sense of like, oh, if I don't share the gospel with 800 people today. Like, I have a friend named Dave, and this is not knocking. My friend Dave, his goal is to share Jesus with 30 to 35 people a day, so he shares the gospel with 1,000 people a month. And he does it. He told me about a bike ride he went on, a three-hour bike ride. He's like, oh, I was able to share the share the gospel. What was going to be a three-hour bike ride was an eight-hour bike ride, but I wound up sharing the gospel with 55 people, and 10 people got saved on a bike ride. So it wasn't like he had to just stop everything he was doing and throw his bike into the water or off the cliff. It's like, what if we just started inviting Jesus into the things we were already doing and let his life move through us there? How different would that be? Because I think a lot of times we think, oh no, if I go to church or if I really go all in, I'm gonna be this weirdo with four heads and you know, I'm gonna have to get like, you know, change my clothes and you know, whatever. Like what if we just start seeing like Jesus loves us, but he can actually live our life better than we can. So the people you're with, the things you do, and now I'm not saying none of those things will ever change, but what if Jesus can just be more effective in your sphere of reality than you can? He might not be calling you to the mission field, but he's calling you and inviting you and me to live on mission with him and watch what he can do through our lives. So the first thing, the shift, is a have to to a get to, and I love Peter, like, if you want me to, I will, but then is this place of intimacy and vulnerability. This vulnerability of saying, like, oh, I'm a sinful person. Do you lead from your need very much? Or do you feel like you gotta lead from a polished expert place? Are you willing to let people help you? Are you willing to model what you want other people to receive from Jesus? And so one of the things that I've seen like, is just leading from uh, vulnerability. I think in sharing the gospel, two friends, two good friends of sharing the gospel effectively are vulnerability and curiosity. I think sometimes just asking people, just saying things like, hey, I like your tattoos. 
You might not be a tattoo fan. I, I don't have any, but I can like, I can appreciate someone's artwork. Or tell me about that. Or I like your nose ring. Or I like your, your hair. I like anyone's hair. Not anyone's hair. Some people have bad hair and just need to join me and Chris and James. Um, but even willingly, not just because uh, gravity got a hold of you. But, um, but it's just noticing curiosity. I love when you watch Jesus. He's curious. He's like, got a lot of people crowd in on me. They want to hear what I'm saying. There's some boats. Hey, notice you guys got some boats. Can I use those? Jesus was leading from his need. Jesus was vulnerable enough to be like, yeah, I could use my God voice later, but I'm not going to now. And so I could use your boats. Could you help me? So he was curious and he was vulnerable. And I think with sharing the gospel with people, the, the, one of the best, the best tools you'll have in your toolbox of gospel fluency is just learning how to ask good questions. Just learning how to ask questions. I had a guy the other day delivered a bunch of wood to us. Uh, he's a young guy. Um, you know, he had an accent. And I, so I just like, hey, buddy, where are you from? You know, we were talking. And I didn't say, hey, buddy, where are you from? And that wasn't like the first thing. I was like, just ask him where he's from. He's like, I'm from Jupiter. No, he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm from Sudan. I was like, in the north or the south? He's like, in the north. And so I automatically kind of knew he's probably a Muslim. And he's probably a refugee because it's been just war-torn up there for eons. I said, did you come as a refugee? Yes, I did. He actually came on the lottery. There's a lottery every year, so he won the, the uh, green card lottery. It was able to come, and we just started talking, and, and he said, oh, have you ever been in Sudan? I said, no, but I've been, and he said, have you been to Africa? I said, yeah, I've been to Africa a few times, and so we just start talking about, because he seemed like I knew something about Africa, but like just curiosity, asking where are you from? Where are you from? And I said, like, you know, and he said he was, he was an IT college student. I said, oh, yeah. I said, are you going to, do you like driving a truck better? Or are you IT? He's like, I actually want to go back to college and get my four-year degree because I have a two-year degree. And so I learned all this stuff from this guy in 20 minutes just about his life, just asking him questions, just being curious. And then I just said to him, I said, hey, I said, I said, hey, Mohammed, I'm just being honest. I said, I, I want to learn more about Muslims. And I want to learn more about people that don't know Jesus. I would love to learn more from you. Would you be open to getting together with me and talking about Muslims and maybe talking about the Bible from where I stand and just learn more about each other? Would you be open to doing this? I'm looking for people to read the Bible with. And like the Quran even maybe. And he's like, yeah, I'd be open to that. So hopefully we're gonna like connect and talk about the Bible. But it's like, so... In our curiosity and vulnerability, show the, put this screen up. I think it's, it might be nine. Um, are we willing, it, like, it's a really good thing in conversation, gospel conversation, to move from simple. Do we got that? Here, I'm gonna, here, I'll just put it up here. We'll do, we'll do a triangle, because you know me. Thanks to people, Bob and Brian, who put this together for me. You guys are bosses. And so, if you think about, like, in the gospel, John mentioned before, we're a church about up. That's vertical connection. Like, we want to be a church that passionately worships. We saw Jesus was a passion, passionate worshiper of God. And then about in. Well, we even see here, Jesus did life together with people. He had these in relationships 
that he was connecting with people, drawing into himself. So that's what we call discipleship. So that's like our fellowship and our fellowship. This is our worship, this is our fellowship and fellowship, and then out. Jesus had this amazing sense of out that he wanted to reach people for the kingdom. I think a lot of times in sharing the gospel, we've had a terrible first move that we've maybe accidentally done because we haven't trusted ourselves and we thought maybe whoever was speaking on Sunday could share the gospel better than we could. And we've started with this up thing. Well, hey, do you wanna come to church with me? I think let's start with maybe the Jesus stepped out of heaven into earth. He left from basically that faraway chasm no one can breach except for him. He went far and Jesus just came simple. Like we see with Jesus, Jesus asked a load of simple questions. What if we started with out first? The furthest out way we could end. Like just what if simple, what brought you here? Where are you from? I notice you have an accent. He wasn't like mad, like, oh, you think I have an accent? He's like, yeah, I'm from Sudan. And just kept asking simple. And then serious, like, like, are you a refugee? Or how did you come here? Green card lottery? Yeah, refugee. It's terrible there. So we went from simple to serious. So we got closer. We got in. We got into his life. He's a refugee. Simple. Where are you from? Serious. And then spiritual. So it's kind of an inversion where as Christians, we want the end goal to be up and out in our gospel fluency, what if we just started with maybe some of the real easy out stuff first, just got to know people? If we were just curious, what if we were just curious enough to care? Most people don't care. If you fancy yourself as a person that cares, friends, like you'll, you'll have more people talking to you than you know what to do with, like my friend Dave on a bike ride. Do we have margin in our lives to care to stop and ask a few questions? I think one of the things of gospel fluency is do I have margin in my life enough to care? Do, do I have enough time to even ask people simple questions? Do I have enough time to maybe ask serious questions? Paul planted the seed Apollos watered it, the harvest is God's. It won't always happen every conversation, but on Friday morning at 7 a.m., I was still laying in bed, that's my Sabbath. I did not wanna wake up, my phone rang, I didn't know the number, I'm like, I don't wanna answer this. I'm like, oh, it could be the Home Depot guy, I'm glad I did, because it was Home Depot guy, I'll be there in 20 minutes. He was there in 20 minutes, Muhammad was clockwork, so good job, Muhammad. And, uh, and so we moved from simple to serious, but then to spiritual. I would have rather been in bed but Jesus is saying, Ryan, I want you to throw your net on the other side of the boat than your bed this morning. And then spiritual. And so if you want to pray with me, that Lord, I just pray now publicly that uh, Muhammad would come into your kingdom, that he would reach back and we could connect and talk about the gospel because you love him and you want to meet him and you want to reach everyone in his neighborhood, Lord, and everyone in his family and everyone in this country. Would you just do that, Jesus, in your name, Lord, amen. So what if we changed our approach and we just started going from simple to serious to spiritual. Would that take some pressure away? Because sometimes it's just really simple. It's just, I like your shirt. You got cool glasses. Or, you know, don't be like, you're hot. You know, that would be weird. <laughs> um, you know, 
even if you're single, don't start there. Um, like, hmm, just like I thought, baby, made in heaven. Like, you know, don't, don't start with cheese, but just simple. Ask about their lives. Serious. Maybe go a little deeper. In a question, question uh, my friend Robert said that he said that he's been using to reach people and they're starting to see a pretty amazing multiplication in his church in Louisville when he was ready to throw in the towel eight months ago, like on ministry. Is he just asked people, um, he said, what's the hardest thing you're dealing with like in your life that you need help with? Or if you could see change, something you would let, if you could have it change, what would you have change? He said the amount, of, he said I've never had one person so far that hasn't answered it or has gotten mad at me for asking that question. We live in a society, an I society, no one cares. Just caring is one of the most critical skills. If you could develop it, if you could drop your net on the side of the boat and just that little shift was being someone who cares more, the potential is, is endless. And it's interesting, um, Sheep Amongst Wolves, I don't know if any, anyone ever watched the documentary Sheep Amongst Wolves, there's two of them, anyone watch that? Homework this week, church. Go home and watch Sheep Amongst Wolves. It's this amazing documentary of where the, where the gospel is spreading the fastest on the planet. And it's interesting, the, ten, the um, top 10 places on earth where the church is growing the fastest are the most dangerous places where people can't come to meetings like this. The church is growing the fastest. I think when our first move is inviting people to church, we're kind of missing some of the elements of the kingdom of, um, of just that life on life thing. And so I encourage you maybe not to invite people to church. What if you just had enough time to talk to someone and maybe your next move wasn't, oh, you wanna hear, come, come hear my preachers talk about it. Or what if it was just like, hey, it was really good talking to you today. Would you wanna grab coffee sometime? The worst they can say is no. They can maybe put a four letter word on the beginning of it. But if you're not like too aggressive, they're probably not gonna add that. They might even say, heck, yeah. All right, but like what if, what if we just like tried to approach it in a way like to invite people into our lives, not just the church. And that's why we talk about house groups so much. For some of you maybe ad nauseum, and you're like, I'm still not gonna do it no matter what you said today. Whatever, take it up with Jesus. Because um, I, I think you're never gonna see this exponential until you're willing to cast, cast your nets a little differently. I'll just tell you that. It might sound bombastic or a little whatever. I'm just telling you. If, if we want, like, if we want to do what Jesus did, let's do what Jesus did. And we saw Jesus did life together differently than what most people in 21st century America do it. And that's our house groups for trying to develop on-ramps for people to live the kingdom the way Jesus did it. So it's not some fishy thing. It's not some crazy thing. It's not some, like, dynamic, you know, big robot thing. It's just we're trying to live into the rhythms of Jesus together because we know we're better together. And we're trying to look at the book and just model it. That's all it is. So if there's maybe holes in your life, holes in your gospel, areas where you keep just floundering, and it's like if there's one thing you won't do, like the rich young ruler, he comes, he's everyone's first pick. 
He's like, oh, I've kept all your commands since I was a kid. And Jesus said, he looks at him and loves him. I love that where it says, he looks at him and loves him. He says, there's still one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and come follow me. Where would Jesus look at you today in your approach of the gospel or following him and say, there's one thing you lack? Give that up and come follow me. Because the enemy of best is often good, isn't it? A lot of times we're just willing to settle because we're afraid. Why I was out fishing all night. I've done this for years. And so this isn't like a house group infomercial, but it's like we're trying to do something that God's calling us to, and we're just trying to do what Jesus did. And you might be the missing ingredient for us to move from good to great, but you're resistant because you prefer the way you've always fished. And Jesus says, well, what if I have a different way of fishing available for you? There's this thing called, in fishing, called red ocean fishing. Anyone watch any of the Deadliest Catch shows or anyone here like to fish? Put your arm up. If you like, here, it is okay if I ask a question to respond. Just so like, I want you to know that. It's not like fourth grade, like, is, is Sally gonna think I'm weird? <laughs> Have you ever fished or do you like to fish? Oh my goodness! Wow, thank you, Jesus. Wow, that, like, seriously. Have you ever watched the show Deadliest Catch? Okay, there. Permission granted. <laughs> well, one of my friends has a boat that was featured on Deadliest Catch, and my friend Peter Liskey, amazing, crazy guy, had this boat, and they would fish on there. And one of the things that they call in fishing is there's the red ocean fish, or the blue ocean fish. Red ocean fish was like sonar now tells us or wave patterns or maybe you can see from a helicopter, you can see like all the fish are here, that's the kill box, go get the crab or go get the salmon. Whatever it is, go there, catch all the fish, that's where they all are, it's shooting fish in the barrel. That's red ocean fishing. And I think there's a lot of what we do in our country that's red ocean fishing. We all target the same people. We all target the same method, the same medium. We have church at the same time. We're red ocean fishing. But everyone else is doing it. So the profit is limited. You might all make a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks. You all might reach a couple people, but you might not reach tons of people. There's another thing called blue ocean fishing, and this is more risky. This is where blue ocean is wide out in the open. You have to have better means, better mechanism, more trust, more collaboration, more, a more skill set, more knowledge. <clears throat> but if you can get the blue ocean catch, that's the most profitable. And you actually can catch more at times if you're a successful blue ocean fisherman than just the red ocean that where everyone else fishes. Because instead of catching maybe 50,000 pounds, you caught a million pounds. You caught the whale instead of the perch or instead of the swordfish or whatever it was. And what we wanna do is we wanna be blue ocean fishers. We're not trying to do what everyone else does. And you're like, this church is weird. Heck to the yeah. We are. Because Jesus is weird. Jesus is different. He's the king. He's the God man. He's different. And so we don't want to just red ocean fish to do what everyone else does. We want to be the blue ocean fish that are catching the stuff I think Jesus is after. He doesn't need the 
the six-figure family with the two SUVs and the 2.4 kit. I mean, if we catch them, great. We, we love everybody, but what if, what if we were looking at the gospel differently that we weren't like, that our target wasn't like just where everyone else is fishing? What if we just went to maybe the ones no one else wanted and watched what God did? Jesus talks way more about the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the left out than he does like the winners. That's just his way. If we just started noticing around us, maybe people that just look lonely, how, how much of a gospel influence could we have on people's lives? Because I believe the best soil is full of crap, right? Fertilizer. Science will tell you the best soil has poo in it. Literally, my dog, there's certain spots where he just likes to go. The grass is pretty green where uh, like Rico just frequently visits. People's lives that are sometimes the crappiest are the most open to the kingdom. That might be the best soil to visit is the people with the, the most broken lives. They can add their crap to the gospel and something can grow. And so do you look where others won't? Will you shift your perspective this week maybe and say, okay, God. And I'm not trying to tell you what that is. But if you're not seeing exponential multiplication of people coming into the kingdom and disciples being made, I encourage you to be open to it. I was, I was making some disciples and I was seeing lives change, but I started shifting my perspective and I went from some moves to started seeing some movement. And it's been a 15 year journey, but we're seeing things God's doing. You know, we're seeing hundreds of churches I get to, connect with this this week. People that I'm discipling who are discipling others in Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Syria, and literally hundreds, there's hundreds of them that are now leaders, and we're going to send the gospel out to thousands of people this week just because we were willing to throw our nets on the other side of the boat and maybe talk about the gospel differently than we used to. God wants to impact you, too, like that. God wants to impact the world around you like that. And so I would encourage you to, you know, what, this week, just maybe start asking, am I, am I willing to go deep with people? Am I willing to stop and care? If you are, that's the first, that's the first letter of gospel fluency, like in Rosetta Stone. They don't teach you all the language, all the articles, all the conjunctions. They just teach you the base of the language, the important stuff, and by intuition, you can move to intention pretty quick when they show you the base. They're not trying to get you to write a Swedish essay by next year. They're saying, can you go to the bathroom in Sweden if you're going there? Can you order off a menu? Can you ask someone how they are? But it's those little building blocks that are more, it's a different way of seeing it than the way we've done language in our schools here that just doesn't work. We're the least bilingual society in the world. White Americans are. The least bilingual society in the world. What if we like learn to speak the language of heaven differently? Would we be able to, to relate to people on a more fluent and easy level? So as we're praying today, like I want, I want you to, um, I want you to turn to the person next to you in our last couple minutes. I want you to do two things. I want you to notice something about them, nothing creepy. I want you to notice something and say it to them, and then I also want you to say, 
if God could change one thing in your life, what would you change? And we're gonna wrap up on that. And then we're gonna go into prayer. So let's just take a couple minutes. And if you see someone sitting alone, they may be in front of you if they're not talking to anyone, please ask them. Notice, just notice. Remember that critical skill of just observing. So if you see someone, we'll go two more minutes. are winding down. Um, I would love for prayer teams to come forth, kind of spread out. If there's somewhere in your life today, maybe do you need just prayer? Like, Lord, I want to step up my game. Or maybe like, maybe you're like, I just don't even care about this. Lord, I want to love people the way you do. Or maybe you came in here with something today that you shared with someone, the thing you need to change the most. We believe prayer changes things. prayer, we don't want you to leave because God is trying to meet us in simple ways, in serious ways, and in spiritual things. Like, do you know Jesus cares about more than just if you're a Christian and you go to church or if you study the Bible or if you pray? Like, Jesus cares about that debt you have. 
Jesus cares about those kids or those grandkids. Jesus cares about maybe that job you don't have or the promotion you want. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Would you meet us today in fresh and powerful ways? Would you help us to be able to um, share our hearts more vulnerably with you and others? Would you help us to cast our nets on the other side of the boat and to take risks? Help us to be able to go out on the limb because we know out on the limb is where the fruit is. Would you help us to live in such a way that um, it says to you, we care about you, what's important to you, God, and that it says to others that we care about them. We know you, we, we wanna know you care about us. Maybe if that's where, where you're lacking, if you don't know God loves you today or you don't have a relationship, we wanna share that love and that truth with you today. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for the gospel. Help us all to be fluent in the language of heaven, which is the language that you often whisper to us, I love you. Help us to know how to tell people you love them and help us to know how to receive that love as well. In your mighty, powerful, and precious name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Hope you have a great week. Don't leave without prayer if you need it.